It is Thursday, the fourth day of February, 2021. Civil unrest continues throughout the world as a months-long farmers' protest continues to turn increasingly violent in the areas surrounding the city of Delhi, capital of India. Meanwhile, hundreds of Russian nationals were detained this week as protests continue to swirl around the detention and subsequent sentencing of opposition leader Alexei Navalny. The largest anti-Kremlin protest in Russia's history continues to draw tens of thousands throughout the country, including some of the more remote outposts, demanding change and all in opposition of President Vladimir Putin. Meanwhile, here in America, the rise of the Reddit investor has crumbled due to outright felonies committed by brokers and their rich backers, bringing an end to the so-called diamond hands. Wow, what happened there? Where am I? Whew, holy shit, I'm not even not even sure what that was. I spent too much time on aljazeera.com today. Yikes. Anyways, you won't hear much more of that on episode number 61, the Dave LaPointe episode. See, back in my youth, many, many years ago, uh, your boy played some peewee football, and I wore number 61. I was terrible. Uh, the cliched fat kid come to life, basically. It was a struggle to to maintain the 135-pound uh, weight limit because I cared more about Doritos and Oreos than I did about actually playing football. I tried to play a couple years prior to that. Uh, but during practice one day, I was absolutely fucking freight trained into concussion by the coach's son, of all people. So I quit. Uh, my classmates seemed convinced that because I was fat that I would be somehow good at football. Never figured that out. Uh, we had to run like every practice. And I finished last every practice. Never failed. But the real kick in the dick to 12-year-old Dave was seeing the the team stats on the bulletin board at the end of the season. I scanned the list until I got to the bottom. And there with all zeros across the sheet, number 61, David LaPointe. I mean, 30 years later, it's funny as hell, but because honestly, who really gives a fuck about being good at peewee football? But still a bit traumatizing at the time. See all the zeros. I think it just sort of foretold the way things are going to go uh, for the uh, rest of my life, basically. Zeros across the board. Sort of like my ratings. Zeros across the board, huh? So equally as traumatizing, this is Complaints and Observations. The greatest podcast hosted by someone who knows so precious little about eh, almost everything. A journey into the mediocre mind of an exceptionally average person. This is Complaints and Observations with Dave LaPointe. Who the hell is Dave LaPointe? I have a, there's a tingling in my trousers and it's not a good one. Sounds good. Let me put on some chapstick real quick. 
because I'm not from Boston. I'm from California. Hello. Welcome to the show. How are we doing, huh? Doing pretty good, I imagine. At least I hope. That's uh, that's a, a generalization on my part. I mean, do I really hope that you're doing good? I mean, yeah, I guess. But, you know, who knows? So, a lot to talk about today. Very excited for, for today's program. Uh, got some... So what I hope is good content, and uh, you know we'll we'll see how it goes. We'll play it by ear. All right. Very excited, as I said. So <clears throat> right off the jump, I mentioned in the open that I had spent some time on uh, AlJazeera.com. It's a it's actually a very good website for for world news. I enjoy it. However, there was a link to a story. That literally had me flabbergasted. <clears throat> and the link went to CNN. It was CNN UK. The headline, a British teenager fell into a 10-month coma before the pandemic. Now he's waking up in a new world. I mean, I was I was hooked and I had to figure it out. So this kid, 19, uh, poor kid got hit by a car on March 1st in uh, Staffordshire, Central England. And at the time, the the, the UK had just 23 confirmed cases. Uh, Most everything was still happening in China. The United States only had one death at the time. So, brandy new shit, right? Well, this this poor fucking kid gets, gets hit by a car. So, he goes into a coma, right? And this fucking poor guy, you know, his mother, uh, three weeks after the uh, the accident, Britain goes into lockdown. So she she's the only one that can go see him. She's the only family member that can see this kid. But she has to be uh, at a distance, dressed head to toe in PPE. Wild. So there's fucking nurses walking around in full, you know, essentially hazmat gear because they don't know what the fuck this thing is. And uh, eventually, you know, they so they're talking to him. They're doing Zoom meetings with family and this, that and the other. And eventually the kid starts to uh, to come to, if you will. And, uh, you know, eventually he's uh, he's going to wake up. Here's what is the fucking kicker to me. Okay, so he's in the coma. Somehow, he manages to get the Rona while he's in the fucking coma. While he's in the coma. That's unbelievable. You would think, right, that the nurses would take the utmost precaution with someone who is literally unconscious. To try to make sure that this kid doesn't get COVID. But he fucking caught it. By no fault of his own. He should sue that fucking hospital. 
Because who the fuck knows? Like, look, he's got traumatic brain injury and probably traumatic lung issues because he caught fucking Rona while he was in a goddamn coma. How fucking bananas is that? That is craziness. Ten months in a coma. Just, Just apparently came out. Uh, can't talk, but he can, you know, I guess blink and move and, uh, you know, do doing shit, or at least some shit, who knows, but they still can't, can't touch him. Nobody else can see him. Uh, but it's, it's absolutely wild. I just need to share that because it's a fucking batshit crazy story. You go into a coma before you thinking everything's fine. You wake up and the whole world is fucking flipped upside down. Crazy. I hope he I hope he does okay. Joseph Flavel, 19. Terrible. Anyway, I needed to share that just because it was one of these things that I saw it and I was like, holy fuck. Really? Yeah, just <laughs> just, just flat out crazy shit. So, oh, so um, what else is going on, huh? The GameStop thing is over, which uh, you can kind of see coming a mile away. There was no way that uh, that the the uber wealthy were gonna let that fucking slide and let that go on without some sort of uh, yeah, I don't know, bullshit illegal activity, and that's exactly what happened. So can't be shocked. Uh, you know, the few shares of the of AMC and Nokia that I owned, I sold them the other day. Uh, did not have diamond hands. Weak hands didn't hold. Just terribly weak. Um, what little money I made, I put back into my weed stocks. I did hold on to my Dodger coin, though. Very uh, intrigued by crypto. Uh, really wish I had heeded some uh, some advice from coworkers years ago on crypto, but I didn't. And uh, you know, now it's bit me in the ass, but it is what it is. What can you do? You know, shit happens. Live and learn. Uh, but I th- I'm gonna stay on the weed bandwagon because I do think that that weed stocks are going to explode at some point. But you know. I don't have a ton of money, so I'm, you know this is pittance, really. A couple hundred bucks here and there. What can you do? So you know, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's you know that's really the only interesting thing that's really gone on. And quite frankly, I have to say it's kind of refreshing how boring uh, most things are. I mean, look, there's still some fucking crazy shit going on politically, but. Nothing to the level that was there before, which is exactly what I expected. Boring would be the norm. It's been terrific. It's been refreshing. It's almost as if, uh, you know, our government is functioning as if it should. Is the government still a bloated disaster? Absolutely. That'll never change. But I like boring. A big weekend coming up, of course, it is... uh, the Super Bowl. However, the biggest part of the weekend for yours truly 
and my and my darling wife uh, Jennifer is the annual bucket of doom uh, for the uninitiated and for pretty much anyone listening. The bucket of doom is where we take uh, the helmets for all the teams in football, with the exception of uh, the Patriots, because we are season ticket holders. I wish I had a horn sound effect, you know, tuning my own horn. Although, really, at this point, who knows? Um, and the and basically, uh, my wife will close her eyes, rummage through the bucket, and pull out a helmet. And the way that it works is that uh, wherever she pulls the helmet, that's where we're going to go watch a game. Now, we started this before we ended up with the Patriots season tickets, so it was just a good way to go see more games. But now we do both. So the first one was Green Bay, and really, we could not have picked a better first game. What a fucking fun weekend that was. Green Bay is everything that you ever heard about in terms of how great the atmosphere is for a football game there, times 10,000. I could not recommend going to see a game at Green Bay uh, any more than I possibly do. It'll cost you a small goddamn fortune but it'll be worth every penny. And Wisconsin is terrific. So uh, that was fun. We went to Kansas City after that. Another great atmosphere. The only problem is it was a three-day monsoon in Kansas City. So that kind of sucked. But honestly, another great weekend. Uh, We went to Tennessee two years ago, to Nashville. Another great weekend. And then for 2020, uh, we pulled the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, uh, I think I've mentioned on the show before, I may have talked about this on the show before, I'm not sure, but uh, with lockdown, you know, picking the Bengals could not have come at a better time. So we pretended we went to Cincinnati. We made, uh, you know, two of the, uh, actually the, yeah, two Cincinnati type things which is basically just chili and then chili on spaghetti with cheese. And uh, we drank Cincinnati beer, which is uh, Sam Adams, because they bottle it in Cincinnati. So that's upcoming this weekend. Looking forward to that. Uh, It's always exciting. That'll be Sunday morning, probably like 11 o'clock or so. Uh, I will probably post something on the Insta page, so be sure to uh, take a look at that at Complaints Pod. Always fun, should be good. But, uh, you know, then there's the game itself. Now, my mouth, for whatever reason, is very dry right now, so uh, I'm going to take a sip of water and then come back. Okay. So this weekend course is the uh super bowl or the big game let's call it the big game so there's no potential copyright infringements i hate that by the way the big game right because whatever just call it the game why you gotta call it the big game it's fucking stupid everybody knows what sunday is just say the game on sunday then you can say tampa bay and kansas city you can say that they're cities in america whatever so, of course, it is um, Tom Brady and his Bucks against uh, Patrick Mahomes and his chefs. Um, I have been getting some grief because I've not been, you know, on the uh, the old Tom Brady bandwagon here. 
So, you know, it, and again, it's not as if I want the guy to lose. I don't. It's just that I'm not going out of my way to uh, to root for him. You know, he left my team, the Patriots, uh, in a bit of a lurch, in a bad spot. Uh, not entirely his fault. Let's let's not be, you know, let's not be ridiculous. It wasn't entirely his fault, but partially. So, Boston.com on Monday, there was an article by Mr. Eric Wilbur. Excuse me. Uh, he's an excellent Twitter follower. I've been following him for a long time. He used to be uh, more of a general sports columnist back in the day. Um, no longer does it. He's kind of left. He writes for Boston.com here and there, uh, but apparently he's a professor now, so doesn't write nearly as much. Uh, he's a bit of a curmudgeon, which I'm fond of, so that's probably why I like him. The article, the article that he put up on Monday was titled, quote, Patriots fans don't owe Tom Brady anything, end quote. And the minute I read that, I knew I would love it. I've mentioned on the show before that I love Tom Brady, the New England Patriots quarterback. But Tom Brady, Twom, Twom, Twom. I can't talk today. I'm sorry. A little gravelly for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, Tom Brady, the everything else, meh. Just meh. I mean, look, I I don't know the man from a fucking hole in the wall. And none of us really know how his last two years in Foxborough really went. We have an idea. We have an idea. Versus, you know, things that he said, which we'll get to, and things that have been written about. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot that's been written about the situation, but most of it hearsay, and let's face it, the Patriots get clicks, views, ratings, whatever, so that shit is going to be written. It sells, you know? Patriots and sex, that's what sells. Anyways, the gist of the piece is that Brady left the team in, in shambles. Now, as I said, I don't entirely agree with it, but it's not really wrong either. Uh, Wilbur is right to point out that Brady went on Howard Stern uh, and that basically he had one foot out the door before the 2019 season. And his attitude during that season backs it up. And his play backed it up. You could just tell. I mean, especially in hindsight, it's much easier to see. But, you know, all year long, you knew something was off. Uh, I can also get into the indisputable fact that he's just a flat-out weird fucking guy and totally unrelatable to, to normal people like you and me. Wilbur uses that Brady has a, quote, stiffness with a lack of personality, end quote, and a, quote, politician-like stiffness, end quote, which are both wholly accurate. His entire social media presence is a marketing shtick, so no one really knows what he's like. He's done a handful of commercials, uh, but I mean, that's he's acting. He's a, he's a good actor, as we can tell. He's a good actor. Uh, now, look, but look, that in and of itself isn't really that bad, but does everything that he shares with his fans have to be wrapped in some kind of a fucking ad? An ad for that snake oil that's that he's attached his name to with a doctor who uh, lost his license. Uh, 
Uh, but sure, you know, a 43-year-old still playing at an MVP level is totally normal, right? Sure. Let's not fool ourselves and think that we'd be surprised and stunned if it comes out when he's done playing that there was something a bit unnatural about his, quote, workout routine, end quote. I wouldn't blame him one bit. I don't blame any of those guys. Please, you do what you do to get an edge. Eh, that's the way it goes. That's how it works. The end of, of Wilbur's article includes a point that seems uh, forgotten when people around here are busy strapping on their knee pads whenever Tom is on television. The Patriots dealt, uh, quote, his replacement across the country in order to cater to his demands, only to have him quit on you two seasons later, end quote. 10,000% accurate. The minute they drafted Jimmy G., uh, Brady was kicking and screaming. Didn't like it. Went to Bob Kraft. Hey, I don't like it. So what happens? They trade fucking Jimmy G for what amounts to a bag of rocks. They did win a Super Bowl after he left, which is fine. But then the following year, he moped. And they, you know, get fucking trounced by Tennessee in the first round of the playoffs. The overall point remains, though, just because the guy wore the laundry doesn't mean I need to fawn over him. And I just can't seem to wrap my head around uh, the number of people who keep giving me shit because I'm not fucking, uh, you know, screaming at the top of my lungs when this guy throws a touchdown pass. Eh, you know, I, you root for laundry, as I said. I, I happen to be a Patriots fan, so... Why would, you know, again, I don't wish him ill. He gave us 20 phenomenal years. And believe me, uh, I love him for those 20 phenomenal years. Everything, it's like, you know, you have a coworker, okay? You work with somebody for a little while, you like them, and, uh, and then they change jobs, and you think, oh, man, you know, we can stay in touch. Sometimes you do, you know? But if that person goes to work for a competitor and, you know, is not really saying all the right things, uh, yeah, then it gets a little weird, you know? I would imagine it's very similar. Especially when that person has, you know, no real personality. Unlike me, I'm friends with a bunch of my old co-workers. Why? Because I'm terrific. I'm a great guy. I'm fun to be around. You know. Anyways, Eric Wilbur, terrific writer. <clears throat> Apparently he uh, co-authored a book about skiing that's just come out. It's called 30 Years in a White Haze with Dan Egan, who's famous for being in those awesome Warren Miller movies. I don't even ski and those things are fucking wild. So if you're into skiing and books... 30 Days in a White Haze by Dan Egan and Eric Wilbur is probably one for you. Whoop! That's a free ad. Hope you enjoyed the, the old pounding of the mic stand. I haven't done that in a while, huh? Jesus. Ugh. I think we're just going to exhaust all of the stock bongo sounds. Because uh, I can't talk for some reason. 
Uh, more sports. Listen, the New York Mets. Let's talk about the Mets again. Seriously, what the fuck is in the water in Queens, huh? Holy shit. Anyone associated with this team is just a fucking dolt. First, they're the new owner, Steve Cohen, who's played up the, uh, the quote, regular guy, end quote, angle when he's uh, absolutely not a regular guy. He's an absurdly rich man um, with a Twitter account, and I fell for it. You know, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, go Mets, you know, because you want, it's just like the Browns. You want them to do good, you know, sl- slightly, not not at your team's expense, but whatever. Uh, the guy, though, he got so much flack for the, the GameStop Robin Hood nonsense that he deleted his fucking Twitter account. He's probably got a burner now, like money bag 69, 69 or something. But uh, the more he connected the dots uh, with this thing, the more it looks like he may have had his hand in there. Robin Hood shutting shit off in order to, uh, you know, save the, uh, the investments of the hedge funds. But, I mean, it, it's it's funny how the other MLB owners were skeptical about this guy from the jump. But the Mets have been such a dumpster fire for years, so some new blood seemed like the right thing to do. Well, along came that new GM, Jared Porter, that we talked about a couple weeks ago, the uh, Thayer Academy alum, uh, now Steve Cohen being shady, and, and then their former manager being getting accused of uh, some of the same shit that Jared Porter did. The story that came out the other day. Like, what the fuck? What is going on over there? This fucking team can't get out of its own way. Or from under the shadow of the goddamn Yankees. But it's accurate. They've never been able to, and they never will be able to. It's a consortium of dunces, regardless of who's in charge. It is nonstop entertainment, and I hope it never ends. I hope the Mets are just uh, constantly stupid. Because it makes for better, uh, you know, better reading, better television, I guess, if you will. All right. Brand new segment. Or as I like to call it, a slice of the show. Brand new slice of the show. Uh, I've made it pretty clear that I'm not the biggest TV guy in the world. Uh, It's not as if I don't enjoy television. I do. It's just that I can't bring myself to commit hours on end to watch something Uh, that will almost assuredly not hold my attention. Uh, I don't watch movies much anymore for the same reason. I wish that this weren't the case, but I think for some reason I'd rather invest my time watching a a game of some kind or Guy Fieri. I'm sorry, Fieri. I could watch Guy Fieri all day long. That's been established on this program. Uh, Anyways, friend of the show and uh, associate producer Dave um, reached out and asked if I was a TV guy. He said he was, uh, you know, looking for TV reviews. I'm like, yeah, you know, you know, all right, you know, I, I guess. But um, I said, okay, any particular television you're looking to have reviewed. He was kind enough to send me three of his most recent uh, viewing experiences, if you will. So, what I've decided to do is I'm going to read uh, Dave's uh, picks here and his reviews. And then I'll counter with my own review based solely on the trailer for the program or movie. We'll see how this goes. 
I think this is quality content. I could be way wrong. But I think this has some potential. So uh, thank you again, associate producer Dave. It's unpaid gig, but thank you just the same. Now, number one, uh, Promising Young Women, the movie. Uh, Dave said, quote, fucked up movie, but really well done. Very intriguing and entertaining, end quote. He gives it an A minus, solid, solid grade. Now, watch the trailers, about two minutes and 42 seconds. The, the first trailer, there were multiple. I'm not spending all that time on trailers now. I'll watch one. That's the extent of it. Uh, this looks like a very interesting premise. Pretty sure it's about a young lady who was assaulted during college. No one believed her, so she dropped out of college or med school, whatever. There's this talk about her being a doctor, and the title of the film is based on uh, some dialogue in the movie. I would assume that she was a promising young woman. Well, as some sort of revenge, she, she goes to, to clubs or bars and baits guys into thinking that she's too drunk to fight or too drunk to to disagree. And she says that she's looking for nice guys. So I'm guessing that's a part of the movie as well. Nice guys. My, my overall general assumption is that the person who uh, assaulted her was called a, quote, nice guy. Uh, but anyway, so she goes to the bar. She pretends that she can't walk or whatever. Since she's too drunk, so she's a good actress, great actress. Uh, but she ends up turning the tables uh, on these guys uh, when they go back to, I would assume, their apartment or house, house or whatever. Uh, along the way in the film, she reassesses her life, um, which you know I, I assume will lead to some kind of maybe not happy ending, but a positive ending to the film. And look, uh, after two and a half minutes, I was like, boy, I hope she becomes a doctor. I hope she figures this shit out. You know, because there's another guy that, you know, she happens to meet somewhere like, oh, uh, you were you were in college. Uh, you were a promising young woman. OK, well, now her whole opinion on men is going to change because of this one guy. Sure, sure. Um, the other good part of the trailer is that McLovin finally gets another paycheck. So good for him. B plus trailer. Um. Hold on. I'm texting my wife at the moment. Give me one second. Did you end up... Okay, super. Uh, number two, The Little Things, another film. Now, Dave gives a glowing review here saying, quote, Top 10 worst movie I've ever seen. Might even be number one. Three amazing actors wasted. So boring, so slow, so not needed. There's literally no point as to why this was made, end quote. Beautiful. Now, <clears throat> from what I'm seeing here with this trailer, this is standard serial killer fare. It's tripe and I don't get it. Horrors, thrillers, and even some dramas I don't get. To me, I'm not going to spend my time watching... Something that that'll you know have me trying to figure shit out. Uh, not not I shouldn't say that because a good mystery is good, but I don't want to like I, I'm not there to solve fucking crimes. Okay, uh, I'm not I'm not gonna wait for something to pop out from around a corner somewhere. 
or I'm not, I don't, I have zero interest in seeing someone stab the, stab the shit out of another innocent young girl. What the fuck? What, how is that entertaining? I've never figured that out. So you've got three Oscar winners in this film. Uh, two in their absolute prime and a living legend. Denzel Washington plays what I assume is a troubled old cop who's no longer a detective, but uh, because he couldn't handle the stress, something happened. It's not explained in the trailer. The trailer is only two minutes long. But something happened. Couldn't handle the stress. He steps away from that sort of that sort of life. Uh, he connects with Remy Malik, who's working on a case. Remy is might be like a, a DA or or a, a captain or something, but he's high up in in the force or in the city or whatever. Casey's working on, and, and Jared Leto is the top suspect. Of course, Denzel somehow gets involved um, with with Remy Malik, and, and they're talking about the case. And you see interactions between Denzel and and, and Jared Leto, who's you know an unwashed, long hair. Uh, driving around in an old Ford with four hundred and sixty-three thousand miles on it, they make it a point to show that in the in the trailer, as if an old car is, you know, probably the thing that that uh, trips him up. If I had to guess, <clears throat> so Denzel gets involved and a little too close to to Jared Leto before I I, I am assuming Jared Leto slips up, gets caught tripe how do these things get fucking made dave was ten thousand percent right here this is a d minus trailer because there are way too many of these fucking movies and i don't get it i don't see the point there's no point in this film okay review number three this is a netflix show called lupin L-U-P-I-N, Lupin. Quote, show most people haven't heard of picking up in popularity. I'm two episodes in and so hooked that I watched the first two episodes twice. That's how good it is. A now-you-see-me-ish type show. Well, fuck. Uh, I love a good heist slash international mystery type shit with some humor in it too. And this trailer was solid. Looks a little, you know, like a light sort of uh, Ocean's Eleven with a bit of Jason Bourne action mixed in. And and Dave was right with the uh, Now You See Me uh, type of, um, you know, film, I guess, you know, show. I've seen half of Now You See Me on a plane. And then the TV stopped working. So uh, I still haven't seen like the second half of the film, which is kind of disappointing, but it shows you how much I care. This thing, though, I may actually watch this. I may give this a shot. I say that, and I probably won't, but I might give this a shot. Uh, Apparently it's French, or it could be with either dubbed over English or subtitles or something. I don't know. When I did my my research, it said it was in French, but the trailer was in English. So 
the overdub, ugh, God, it's going to be weird. It's like watching old Kung Fu movies with over, with, with dubbed shit. And it's like, Oh boy, it just looks weird. And I ended up like fucking fixating on that shit. If it looks weird, I won't watch it, but who knows? I may give it a, a shot. Uh, a plus trailer though. I mean, it was exciting. It told the story. I know what's going on. Bing, bang, boom. Lupin. I might be in. All right. As it is Thursday, it is time for three gripes. Uh, Always very exciting. Usually, not always. It's an assumption I just made, and I shouldn't. Gripe number one, the complaints and observations voicemail line. Look, this is a fucking great idea, and no one can tell me otherwise. Sure, it's been done, tacky, but it's a great idea, especially in the context of my program. 617-65-RIP-EM. Seriously, I set up a line for people to call in with their general complaints and also their observations, yet I haven't got a call in months. Am I to believe that uh, the four listeners of this program uh, are both friendless losers and have the happiest and easiest lives around? No fucking way. I know you assholes, and I've never been more sure of anything in my life. Just makes no sense to me. Honestly, it's a great outlet. I mean, I I know that there are plenty of people that don't want to complain to their significant significant others, uh, but they want to complain, or they see something fucking weird that their significant other won't think is entertaining. Well, guess what? I will. I'll listen to your complaints. I'll listen to that weird observation. Uh, you know, my four listeners will listen to it as well. It'll be great. It's a fantastic uh, tool here. Now, look, that is not to say that the line isn't being used. That's the kind of shit that I have to deal with. I get a notification. Uh, I get a, a, a notification on my phone. I get an email, whatever. And a rush of excitement comes over me, thinking, oh, great. Uh, one of my listeners has something uh, interesting or insightful to share with the audience. Nope. It's just a lady yelling at me in another language that I don't understand. Or it's a fucking scam ad for some extended car warranty. Uh, which is, who the fuck falls for that? Anyway, 617-65-RIP-EM. Come on now, god damn it. Uh, gripe number two. People who say, quote, no problem, end quote, when they are just doing their job. This fucking gem comes from, uh, also comes from associate producer Dave. And the best person ever associated with this program, Mr. Rich Leaf. When you thank something, when you thank, fuck, when you thank someone for something, okay, 
say you're, you're picking up some Chick-fil-A or you, you close a sale at work and that person replies with no problem. So you've said thank you. The reply you get, no problem. Wait, wait, what? Well, yeah, no shit, it's no problem. It's your fucking job. Like, say you're welcome, like an adult human and not some kind of moron. It's It's honestly one of the easiest things to do and I could not agree with Rich Leaf more than I do. That is so spot on. What a pet peeve. Just ridiculous. I said Chick-fil-A in there, and I didn't mean to. I should have I should have said uh, you know, I don't know, the convenience store, McDonald's or something. I don't know. Chick-fil-A will say my pleasure. Which I've talked about on this program and how fucking stupid that is. But Rich nailed it. No problem is a is a throwaway line. There's no thought put into it, uh, and, and essentially, it's it, you're being brushed off when you get the no problem. You're welcome is a far more polite, reasonable thing to say when somebody thanks you. And look, I've been guilty of of using the no problem in the past. Why? Because I'm blowing them off and I don't give a shit. Which could be part of the problem here, too. Is most people don't give two shits about their job, so they just don't care what they say. But when you get to a certain age, when you're an adult and you say no problem, you're you suck. And there's no there's no reason for it. Say you're welcome, it's very easy. Shit, if you want to say my pleasure, go for it. I think you're you know ridiculous, but it's better than no problem. Gripe number three, and look, I may have already, oh, and by the way, uh, big thanks to Rich Leaf and to Dave for sharing that, because mwah, fucking pure gold right there. Wonderful. Uh, gripe number three, and I may have griped about this before, but I, honestly, we're at 61 shows. That's a lot of fucking gripes. That's a lot of shit to complain about. <laughs> After 61 goddamn shows. Never thought I would get this far, but like I said, it's just fucking fun complaining about dumb shit. All right, <clears throat> number three, baby updates on social media. How much is really needed here? You announce the birth. Uh, you can share pictures of the, of the child at events, you know, like a birthday party, uh, you know, uh, a birthday for somebody else. We as a society or Americans, both really, overshare on social media as it is it's too much like i try to post shit to to get a reaction a chuckle a giggle a laugh uh you know i'm not posting serious shit i'm not posting hey it's it's uh i don't i don't know i don't even know like everything i've done is like just been for a gag but the kids like the babies and kids it's like once you post the announcement that you've had a child, everybody knows you have a child. You're not sharing new information or new things with us. So I don't know. Maybe it's just more pronounced these days. Who knows? But I'm, I just see so much of it. It's fucking crazy. And look, God forbid something happens to your child. And then you need to post something serious. Because I'm just fucking zipping right through that shit. <laughs> Dave. 
Oh, that is so bad. Oh, I am such a fucking asshole. It's just fucking me and kids. Fuck. Uh, honest, uh, but look, I'm just waiting for a couple of these fucking parents to 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 show uh, like a picture of I don't know, like different colored shit in a diaper on the floor or something, just to let everyone know that their kid is special somehow. I'm happy for you. I'm happy for your partner. I'm happy for the child. But spare the rest of us all the details. Like we really don't need like an hourly update on your fucking kid. Your kid has no fucking concept of what's going on. You know what your kid understands? Food and sleep and shit. Like that's the three things that your kid understands. You know, probably for the first two and a half years of its life. Then it starts to get, you know, inquisitive and annoying. Because once it can start speaking, it's like, shut the fuck up. We got it. As I've said before, I know I've said this before. No one gives a fuck about other people's kids. And I can, and here's the thing too, right? I'm going to go out on a limb and say other parents, when they're on their social media and they're looking at other, other kids, they feel the exact fucking same way. They feel the exact way. I can I can fucking stake my tiny, minuscule reputation on that. That there are, some of these people are so thrilled to share their kids doing shit, but when they see other fucking people doing it, they're like, oh, fuck you. Guaranteed. Because that's how people are. We're terrible. People are fucking awful. I just happen to be an awful person behind a microphone telling you uh, what it is, telling you the truth. That's how it is. Oh, man, that's good. That is fucking good. If you're a parent and you have a new child and would like to come on my program and talk about it, uh, let me know. I have a Twitter page, at ComplaintsPod. I have a, uh, a Facebook page, uh, but fuck Facebook. I have an Instagram page, at ComplaintsPod. I have an email address, showmail at complaintsandobservations.com. I have not used that fucking website in months. It's a massive waste that just sits there. And quite frankly, uh, I'm an idiot for not doing anything with it. But it's, it's the way it is. I also have a voicemail line that you can call in. 617-65-RIP-EM. I don't want it to turn into a giant fucking parents thing. I had somebody ask me, you know, if, if they would, if they could send in parental gripes, I said, sure, absolutely. And, uh, I don't know if he called in or not with a parental, he might've, no, cause I mean, if he did, I would've used it. I'm pretty sure I've used every single voicemail that I've got. I mean, you heard the one earlier. Um, but again, as, as usual, I'm, I'm endeavoring some additional guests cause I like having guests on the program. If you'd like to be on the show, please let me know. Uh, we can talk about fucking anything you want, anything. It'll be a blast. I guarantee you it'll be fun, but that's it for the show. Uh, thank you as always for listening. I implore you to tell your friends. Uh, I implore you to hashtag tell your friends. Uh, let's get that moving. Uh, it won't really do anything, but why not? You know, why the fuck not? Uh, but yeah, that'll do. So look, 
Uh, take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Godspeed. Ta-ta. Speechless.